God has been good to us and God has been faithful to us. You know, I have said it that I am putting together my own quotations and one of them is we may not be where we ought to be but we are not where we were yesterday somebody shout to the name of the lord i'm not where i was yesterday i have gone to another level another dimension and my quote continues what is even more encouraging is we know where we are going i know where i'm heading to and we know collectively as the church, we know where we are heading to. God's vision to our lives is crystal clear. An anonymous author says, you can trust God with tomorrow because he was faithful yesterday. Mark Andes says the faithfulness of God in the past fortifies believers for future challenges pope francis god's faithfulness is stronger than our unfaithfulness and infidelities there are moments where we failed this year there are moments where we did not do what we were supposed to do but the faithfulness of god has always been a stark reality when crudem says god's faithfulness means that god will always do what he said and fulfill what he has promised god will always do what he says he will do in his word lamentations 3 verse 22 to 23 these are the words which were penned by the prophet jeremiah Jeremiah saw three invasions of the Babylonians, but he remained hopeful that even if we are invaded and the cream of our nation is taken to captivity, he at that time saw restoration, even when it was dark. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So one of the themes of November, December is that God is faithful. The Lord has been faithful to us. Chris Rice composed an old hymn and the song goes like this. Great is thine faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thine faithfulness. Great is thine faithfulness. Morning and morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. We celebrate this month also the faithfulness of God. You will hear much about this as the month unfolds but the media team have already introduced to us the theme for this month after we talked about divine repositioning the fact that god is repositioning us for greater things to come 
but also it is our responsibility to position ourselves. This month, we develop a theme, Standing Firm, and this is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. We are going to read verse 10 to verse 13. But it's so interesting that the word standing firm in the English language, it has 126 synonyms and antonyms. But also it is a central theme in the Bible. Peter Marshall gives the impression that you ought to stand for something. And he has given a quotation which has three versions. The first one is, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. In other words, if you do not stand for something, you will fall for anything. Those who stand for nothing, fall for anything. When you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. So it's important for me to know what I stand for. It's important for this church to know and to understand this is who we are. This is not who we are. We should know, we should understand what we stand for. So when I know what I stand for, I will not be moved. I will not be taken for a ride. I will not be taken for granted because I know what I stand for. Some of the synonyms of standing firm is to be unmovable. It is to stand your ground. It is to take a stand in life. It is to be resolved, to be determined. In today's terms, hang on there, endure, never give up. So the theme that we are developing from the pulpit this entire month is that as a child of God, you ought to stand firm. You ought to be strong in what you believe. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers. Now, at Cornerstone, I joke with my Zimbabwean friends. I'm not saying that here, but I'm telling you what I say. Cornerstone, because the Zimbabwean friends are my friends, and they don't mind me joking with them. I don't know about if they are Zimbabwean friends. I don't know how they will take it. I'm not saying it, but I'm telling you what I say to them. That when you say it in Zim English, it sounds powerful. We wrestle not against it. Again, is it? 
They laugh with me. I'm not saying it to you. I don't know you. I know them. I know they don't mind. Powers against rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13. That's where the news reader says. The one who read the news today. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to, to withstand in that evil day. And having done all to stand. In other words, this entire month, we will be talking about the faithfulness of God. But also, we will be talking about standing firm in what you believe. Paul reminds the Ephesians, indeed, he reminds us here, the nature of our warfare as Christians. Some of us have, the Ephesians might have forgotten the nature of their warfare. That yes, you are fighting, but this is the nature of your warfare. You are not wrestling. Now, wrestling was a very common sport in Asia Minor, which is the modern day Turkey. And we know how wrestling can be. It is a very close sport, an engaging sport. Elsewhere in the Bible, we know that Jacob wrestled with an angel throughout the night. So we are reminded that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You are flesh and blood. My warfare is not with flesh and blood. But we cannot Ignore, there are people in the church and in Ephesus who did not understand the nature of their warfare. They were fighting against flesh and blood. They are fighting against each other. We may differ, but we should not fight against each other today i want to remind you the nature of the warfare that we as the church are engaged in we are not fighting against flesh and blood but we are fighting a spiritual warfare paul says principalities powers rulers of darkness spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places you know what let us spend our energy in fighting the nature of warfare that paul is talking about here elsewhere in second corinthians 10 3 to 4 he says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for the 
pulling down of strongholds. The nature, yes, I am fighting. That's why Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Now, the full armor, it is of God is because God himself, Jesus, is a warrior. I am supposed to put on the full armor of God. Now Paul here, he is giving this nature or the warfare that we are in Engaged in different levels, different ranks. Now that is a sermon for another day. But let us only, it suffices today to observe, to realize that the devil doesn't like you. The devil doesn't like the brother or sister who's sitting next to you. He has one goal in mind and his goal is that you should fail his goal in mind is that your brother your sister should fail he doesn't like the church of jesus christ but we don't care jesus said i will build my church somebody shout the name of the lord it is not Matangu church it is not mukwena church it is the church of jesus christ t.s Eliot says the true church of god will never fail for it is founded on the rock the aim of the devil the devil hates the church and those who are fighting against each other, those who are promoting disunity in the church, this is not our mandate. Our mandate is that we are fighting not against each other, but we are fighting against principalities, against powers. The church of Jesus will never be defeated. Let us repeat, reiterate verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We are called upon to stand. I had seven points. How we can stand as Christians and as the church. But I've reduced them to three. But there are areas which you should understand. How do I stand? The first thing is that we should stand firm and be anchored in Jesus. We should stand in him. In the New Testament, there are expressions, many expressions that are telling us that we are in Jesus. We should be found in Jesus. So, the first area of standing, the first area of being anchored is in Jesus. Hebrews 6 verse 19 to 20. This hope we have as 
and anchor of your soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Hey, this is a very difficult scripture. <laughs> it's a very difficult scripture. But we must understand, because the author of Hebrews here is saying, Jesus is the anchor of our soul. Verse 19, it says, For we have this hope, which is the anchor for our soul, firm and secured. An anchor functions like a foundation of something. When the ship docks at the harbor, it is anchored. This house, without a foundation, it will collapse. We don't see the foundation. We see the walls. We see the roof and other things. But this building we are in is connected to the foundation. So, Paul, the author of Hebrews here, gives us this impression that as Christians, as the church, we have an anchor. We are anchored. And we are anchored in Jesus Christ. Which means my life is not anchored in any philosophy. My life is not anchored in any religiosity. My life is anchored in Jesus. My life, my children, my family, my everything has an anchor. They are obviously challenges that will come my way. The storms of life, the hurricanes, the tsunamis, they will come. But my life is anchored. He's anchored in Jesus, not in denominationalism, not in the set of teachings, but my life is anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with him. And if you wish to know, I will, I shall not be moved for my life is anchored there. But now, as you can see, the author here changes the metaphors. He talks about the anchor and quickly he changes to the ship. He changes to the tabernacle. That when you are anchored, when we are anchored in Jesus, it says he leads us to a life behind the veil in the tabernacle. Pastor Eunice said when Jesus died, the veil of the temple was divided into two. Not from bottom to top, but from top to the bottom. 
What was the significance? It was that the death of Jesus was ushering us. And the veil of the temple was separating the holy place and the holy of holies. So the Israelites believed that God's abode, the presence of God was found in the holy of holies. So here the author of Hebrews says, using this metaphor of the anchor, that as we are anchored in him, he gradually leads us to a place behind the veil. Somebody shout the name of the Lord. In other words, as our lives are anchored in Jesus, he has a way to lead and to direct us into a place that is behind the veil. In other words, as we are anchored in Jesus, it is not static, but it is progressive. As you are anchored in Jesus, you are led from one step to the other into the very presence of God, a place behind the veil. And I believe the greatest place for us as Christians to be is to be behind the veil. Is to experience the presence of God. Tony Campolo, an American Italian evangelist, evangelical thinker, says, Many of us do not understand. We don't understand prayer. He says, You know, when you go to pick and pay or Woolworths or so on, you, you push a trolley and you take the items, you put them in the trolley. Many Christians think prayer is like that. We are here to do some shopping. We are here to take stuff and put God, I need this. God, I need this. Tony Campolo says that is not the essence. It is part of what prayer is all about. But it is not what prayer is all about. Prayer is, how can you pray 40 days and 40 nights? You, go, you run out of words. And what becomes important is that I'm there and he is there. And that is enough. Somebody shout the name of the Lord. So prayer, it's not much of asking. It's not much of taking from the shelves and say, I need that. God, I need that. But prayer is to just feel his presence and just know that God is there and I am also there. So when we are anchored, when we are firm in him, it's not only the issue of protection, but also he leads us into the place behind the veil. We will experience his presence. Are we doing about time? Oh, I must finish in five minutes. The second place and area of anchor is in the area of prayer. Let me just do this example, guys. When a farmer goes and plants a fan, he has a seed, a fan, and a bamboo tree. We are told that within six to eight weeks, the fan plant will start to come up. But not the bamboo tree. We are told 
that it takes up to five years for the bamboo tree to come out of the ground. Many of us who do not know farming, who do not understand, we think nothing is taking place. The five years, it doesn't mean nothing is taking place. Something is taking place. We are told that the bamboo tree starts to develop roots before it can sprout out. Therefore, when we are anchored in prayer, please do not think when we pray, nothing is taking place. Many Christians may not be enthusiastic about prayer. Because, can you go to the next slide, please? Because, now look at the, uh, the, the, the roots of the bamboo plant. When we pray, you may not see the results there and there, but something is taking place. We are becoming anchored, just like a bamboo tree and plant. Therefore, I will encourage you in your personal prayer life because some of us delight more in public prayer than personal life. One thing I know is that when we pray, something is taking place. We are becoming firm. We are becoming firmer in Him because we pray. So the second area of being firm is in the area of prayer because when we pray we become more stronger when we become when we pray we become even firmer in our faith the last area is in the area of God's promises God's promises are the limitless treasure God has given us. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen. To the glory of God through us. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine Guys, let's go to the intro, the, 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 the conclusion. Let's skip the other things. Let's go to the conclusion. What was the message today? The message of today is that as a Christian, I am challenged to be firm, to stand firm in my faith. Let us read Psalm 92, 12 to 13, as the worship team comes to the front. The righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they thrive in the courts of the Lord. The psalmist here gives the metaphor of a palm tree. We are told that the palm tree will survive 
even when the weather conditions are adverse, it will thrive. Thank God we will thrive even amongst in the midst of challenges. We will continue for we are founded in him. We are told that the palm tree roots cannot be easily uprooted. The palm tree, as the psalmist says here, that they thrive, the righteous will thrive like a palm tree. The next slide will show you that it has the ability when the wind is boisterous, when the hurricane is just unbearable, it will bend. It will respond to the wind, but it will not break. It will bounce back. I want to leave you with this thought. We will bounce back. I will bounce back. Your life will bounce back. People's church will bounce back. Even stronger than never before. Amen. Proverbs 24 verse 16 as we stand on our feet. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. I don't know your situation. Maybe you are facing the storms of life. You will bounce back. Your family will bounce back. Your children will bounds back. A Chinese proverb says failure is not falling down. Failure is staying down. We are not going to stay down. We are going to rise. Why? Because we need to be firm in him. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are going to have the worship team sing and we are going to close in prayer. Thank you Jesus.